0: Okay, move out. You're listening to the Valor Podcast with Nick Lehman, a show highlighting the people who defend the United States of America and those who support them. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
1: Hello and welcome to the Valor Podcast. This podcast, we are going to Hollywood. We'll get on more on that in a minute. But first, I want to thank our show sponsors, Booya Media. They helped us with our website and online support. You can see their work at booyahmedia.com. That is booyahmedia.com. One of my favorite military movies of all time. It's a bit of a curveball, but it is Range 15. And the reason why is it's made up of a majority cast and production crew of veterans. One of the persons behind the vision and making of this movie is Nick Palmashano. Nick is a graduate of West Point, served as an officer in the U.S. Army, and he is the founder and CEO of Ranger Up, the military and police clothing line. Uh, Nick, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us.
0: Uh, Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, so I got to get into it right off the bat. I mean, uh, you guys did the crazy... What everybody says, well, we're going to do a GoFundMe page to, to do it, and you you guys just smashed all kinds of records to get the Range Fifteen up and going.
0: Yeah, that that was uh, that was one of the wildest things that that I've ever seen. Um, you know, and it's it, it's a testament to uh, you know the guys that, that I was fortunate enough to be able to work work with with you know Matt Best and, and Vince Vargas, Jared and. Uh, Tim Kennedy, as well as the, the trust that the community has placed in all of us over the years. Um, honestly, one of the most humbling things, you know, I've ever seen, like we, we all thought we were going to raise money. We all thought we would get to our goal, you know, kind of grind it out and get to our goal of 350000 so that we'd be able to make a movie. But none of us expected, you know, anywhere near a million dollars. None of us expected us to just kind of keep going and um, it it kind of it kind of blew us all away. You know, it was it was it was incredibly wild to see the trust that the community placed in us to do this thing that none of us had any experience doing. Um, so that that was that was crazy. Honestly, one of the one of the weirdest moments in my life is just watching that IndieGoGo blow up.
1: Yeah, I think I think everybody that that is fans of, of you guys and of the whole cast I mean, we're blown away too. I mean, I a little backstory. I I heard the the start of this idea in this movie in Gallup, New Mexico, in a parking lot with with Leroy Petrie. He's like, "Yeah, I, they asked me to be in this movie. We'll see if it happens. It's supposed <laughs> to launch in a couple of weeks."
0: <laughs> and I was that's like, crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, that that and that's completely true. It was just like you know, um, Leroy, uh, he had, he had served with, uh, Tom Amenta, who's, who's one of the, uh, the founders of Ranger Up and Tom reached out to him and asked him if he, if he wanted to be involved. And then, uh, we had some mutual, uh, friends with Clint Romache and, uh, reached out to him and asked if he wanted to be involved. And then, you know, Marcus Luttrell came out of the blue and said, you know, he was interested in supporting it. And, you know, it's it's weird because when you think about when you think about *Range 15* and what it is, I mean, it's it is a you know over-the-top zombie comedy, right? It, it's also the most decorated movie in history, like of any film ever. Um, there are more there there's there's more decoration in that movie than in any other film ever made, and it's it's hilarious to me that the content of the film you
1: know, that has that title, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really weird situation. Yeah. Take, take that Audie Murphy. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, uh, no, I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about uh, this new generation of, of veterans. I mean, there's YouTube, there's Twitter, there's Facebook. I mean, there's, there's people, if they want to be a voice, be an actor or be anything that they want to be, they can get on there and be entertainers that that's the, that's the crazy thing that i've seen the the shifts you know from like 2011 to now i mean you guys uh with range yep. ranger up yep. we're doing it but now everybody is getting in on the fray
0: everybody yeah it's it's really it's a weird uh situation because you know when we when we came into this we we were the first military apparel brand period um. Prior to that, if you wanted anything that had, like, you know, a- anything to do with the military on it, you had to go to the PX uh, or Army-Navy store, and it was kind of like Skulls and Snakes and-, and Death from Above and all that kind of stuff, and, um, you know, I-, I started this with a couple of guys as a hobby, and, um, you know, we-, we were the only game in town for a couple of years, and then Grunt Style showed up, and then it was just the two of us for a long time, uh, and then you know, all of a sudden, like in the last two years, you know, now there's like 30 companies. And um, it's just because, you know, it's easier to start a company now. You don't actually have to own anything. You don't have to take any risk. Everybody's building things through Teespring or, or these other, um, you know, these other services. And so like anybody that has an idea now can get into the game. So, you know, it's, it's a different world because you don't really know everybody the way you used to. You know, back in the day, we, we knew everybody in the industry. And even though you're competitors, there's kind of like a, you know, if something untoward happens, you can call each other and kind of work it out. It's really not like that anymore. So it's good and bad. You know, it's some of the new brands popping up, I think, are very creative. And then some of them, you're like, are these guys even vets? Like, they're just copying everybody's stuff. And, you know, it's weird. But that's... Uh, like that's business that's life like you know things are always going to change um and you have to change with it and you have to adapt to the new reality and uh, you know that's that's what makes you know business interesting and fun
1: oh yeah definitely and and also the 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 cool thing about uh, the, the whole internet and things like that is you know some of the these guys like you know tim kennedy leroy petrie Clint romache and you know dakota meyer Marcus Luttrell. all, all those guys are are celebrities so to speak and and have a following even the other guys like you know some of the films like you and and uh ross patterson and things like that i mean it, it's just a crazy time in in entertainment that you know i laugh a lot because of, of yeah. you guys
0: yeah it's good and bad you know the good thing is that you know if you if you want to have a voice and you want to work towards that you you can have a voice you know um the bad thing about that is that everybody has a voice, and some people probably shouldn't. <laughs> so, so you know, it's uh, it's an incredibly democratic product. You know, the Facebook in particular. Facebook is is what changed everything for everybody. You know, um, you know YouTube used to be the place to go for content, and now you know Facebook has essentially usurped that title by penalizing YouTube videos on their platform and and giving bonuses to people that, that, uh, post video content there. So, you know, like you, you post a video and you, you know, at the end of the day, like whether or not you did a good job because, you know, people tell you through their views and their comments and their shares, and, but everything moves at a very fast speed. Um, the challenge for a lot of guys is, you know, how do you turn being, you know, creating content into, into, being an actual business. And I think, um, you know, probably nobody has done that as well as, you know, Matt Best and Jared Taylor, um, you know, and, and Vince, those guys have, you know, have managed to to take content and turn that into, you know, a coffee company, a liquor company, you know, and an apparel company. Um, I, I don't see a lot of other people that have successfully made that transition. That's the real challenge. It's, it's easy to make content, um, it's harder to make good content. It's a lot harder to turn content into a business. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. And I mean, the Range Fifteen was sort of the springboard to to the three guys you mentioned. I mean, uh, Rocco he he's doing his uh, you know Drinking Bros podcast, and he's being being picked up by different uh, sitcoms and movies and things like that. And it's like, I, I I I've never met the guy. never talked to him yet, but. I almost, after watching that movie, when it first aired and everything, it's like, man, I, I knew that guy when before he became big.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, Rocco's the man. You know, he's a he's a genuine guy. A celebrity, you know, the, the minor celebrity that, that he has and that we all have hasn't changed him at all. And um, I don't know if you know or not, but he's, you know, he's going to have his own show pretty soon on the History Channel. And he also is part of... Uh, part of the Mayans, uh, which is a spin off of Sons of Anarchy. And so I think he's gonna have some really big stuff happening for him soon and, and none of that has changed who he is. You know, he's uh he, you know, when you think of Rocco, you think of a good friend, you think of a family guy. Um and I don't I don't think you know I think you could hand that guy a billion dollars and he'd still be the same dude. So it's good to see good to see him succeed.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Everybody that, that contributed to this uh this project and you know uh, that 1 million dollar threshold and mark i mean that uh, it seems like a lot of money for people that that you know have day to day jobs but that doesn't go very far in hollywood there's a lot of production costs i no. imagine
0: <laughs> no it's a it's a microscopic budget and that was that was one of the things that was frustrating like you can't do anything without getting a lot of critiques, right? You can't do anything, you know? So we raised the money and it was like, you know, oh, that money could go to veterans charities. And, you know, and then we make a movie and it's, oh, you know, uh, the movie should have been better for all the money that you had there. You know, like there's nothing that you can do without getting a lot of criticism. What, what people don't realize though is, you know, just to film, just for, forget about, forget about actually paying like actors or paying for props or paying for permit, like, just to show up every day with the cat, like with the crew and the equipment, every day we were filming, just doing that was at least 50 K at least, you know, and that's, that's before paying actors. That's before paying for permits. That's not including paying for, you know, for things that, that happen later, like editing and music and just, you know, just being on set, right? Just being there from, you know, for 13 days, you know, take 13 and multiply it by 50 K and that's a starting point. So right off the bat, you know, 700 ish thousand dollars before you add anything else is out the door.
1: That's that's crazy. And, and just kind of,
0: yeah. And remember most, most movies film 30 to 40 days, we had to do it in 13 because we didn't have the budget. And then you start talking about things like songs, you know. You know, so, some of those, those popular songs that we have, those, those were big money, you know, like those were, you, you know, like you're, you're talking about 35 grand, 50 grand, 15 grand, like, you know, it just, so it, it the budget goes quickly, you know, that the idea that we were like, uh, you know, kind of spending money on all kinds of stuff isn't true, you know, so much so that. You know people don't realize it but a lot of the money came from sponsorships because you know the the budget that we got from indiegogo really wasn't as big as you know as as people thought you know you take you take 1.1 million you know it does that that in no way covered what we had to do but by the time we were done filming the movie we were still behind like 280 grand so we were fortunate that we had some awesome sponsors and um, you know, and, and some things came through for us. So it was, it was tough, man. The whole thing was really tough. Oh yeah. I can't
1: even imagine. I mean, I, I like 50 grand a day. That's a, wow. I, that, that could Sca- get over. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, no craft really service scary. today.
0: And, <laughs> and you're, you know, and it's, it's not like it was just our money, you know? So when it's just your money, it's scary, but You know, when the whole community is counting on you, that's, that was the biggest thing is, you know, so we all, you know, you know, Matt, Jared and and Vince run their business, you know, me, Tim and Tom, you know, run our business and like, if we had failed and, and, you know, asked everybody to trust us with their money and then we don't come up with a movie or the movie is just terrible, you know, that reflects not only on us, but our businesses and everything, you know, like you make a promise to people, you're going to do something like you have to do it. And so like the number of times where we just had to kind of use like superhuman effort and, you know, frankly, luck at times just to make it to the next step was, uh, was shocking. Like it really like day to day, it was like, how are we going to make it through today? As opposed to, you know, it was never like Oh, we've got this perfect plan and it's all going to work out. It was like, oh crap! We here's another crisis. How do we get through this crisis? You know, every day for for months. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was one crisis? But, but it was a great. But in a weird way, though, it was a great time. You know, it was it. Um, you know, the actual the actual thirteen days on set, amazing. You know, we all pulled together. Everybody worked hard. Um, you know truly a magical moment was with those 13 days on set and then after that it was back to work but you know fighting to get to that moment was 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 great
1: yeah, oh i bet and and you know the cool thing i saw was that you were guys were there was you put out uh, casting calls for veterans to come and you know you were using uh, some some of our combat vets that were amputees and and you know they drove all the way from you know, wherever they came from, I mean, large uh, cross multi-states yep. to, to be there. And that, you know, that's a testament of of what they believed in.
0: Yeah, th- those guys did a, such an incredible service. You know, um, I, I can't tell you, like, it's, it's so hard to explain, but, you know, the number of times where, like, me or Matt or Jared or Jack were just sitting there going – you know, oh, like somebody would run up and there'd be a crisis. And some, some dude would run up and be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm Matt, I'm Mike, I'm Dan, so-and-so. Um, I'm going to handle this for you. And it'd be some person I I literally had never met, didn't know, didn't even know from the internet, you know, but they, you know, they were a fan and they wanted to help with, with the whole thing. And they're all, they're all military people. And, you know they look at you and said like i got this and and you're like well okay i'm going to trust this person because i really don't have a choice right now because we have to we have to you know film this scene and if somebody doesn't take care of this problem then we're not going to be able to film the next scene and and so some person that i had never met you know we we would put like a significant piece of the film in their hands in terms of solving an issue. And, you know, without fail, every single time it got solved. And this just happened over and over again to the point where, um, like, at some point it wasn't our movie anymore. It was the community's movie. Like, at, at some point, like, it just... If it had just been us, the film would be nothing, you know? But whether you're talking about... Guys like Hollywood Heard who donated all of all of his equipment and time, you know, that equipment would have cost us a small fortune. We would have had to cut costs somewhere else. Or, you know, the amputees that that drove out that, you know, were were zombies and added, like, incredible authenticity to that. Or, you know, Mary Dague volunteering coming out and probably stealing the biggest scene in the whole movie, um, you know, tim kennedy calling greg jackson you know to come out and and you know and do the fight choreography for us um i mean i can go on and on but it was just like veterans veterans pulling strings to come through you know uh like uh you know a a reserve unit or i should say a guard unit coming and fixing our, uh, our five ton lending us a slave cable to keep the the five-ton and the the Humvee going when that had gone down and we were going to lose an entire day of filming, people just saved us over and over again. Like, it wasn't a matter of, you know, we were some amazing special people. I mean, we were, you know, we were six guys working really hard, but, you know, the community is what allowed us to succeed. You know, it just would not have been the same thing without the community.
1: Yeah, and that's that's incredible. That's a testament because I live in in New Mexico, so it's you know blown up into Hollywood esque, you know, and you know I, I yep. always advocate for veterans to be working in film. I mean, they're the best guys and girls to be, you know, in there to do whatever. They can act, they can be behind the scenes, they can you know solve the the five ton pickup problems or the Humvee problems.
0: You know, the the great thing about veterans is that um, we have a very uh, – our outlook is very much that of a meritocracy. Um, that's not something that's really true in the civilian world. You know, we all say it is, but the civilian world is very much about status. Um, you know, the military – you know everybody looks at you about everything like you, you know how did you do on your pt test how did you you know how did you uh, do on your your live fire exercise you know how did you you know what, what did you get on your you know shooting qualifications how did you do in your squad exercise how did you do in your platoon exercise like it's all about who you are and what you do you know it doesn't matter like no one cares if you're a like a beautiful dude with chiseled abs if if you if you can't pass a PT test, no one cares if, you know, you, you've got a 1600 on your SATs, if you can't lead a squad in a live fire, if you can't lead a squad overseas, you know? So like we all, we, we got into a habit in the military of, of judging people based on what they do and expecting that we always have to perform regardless of, you know, in the military, you know, if you're a stud one day and you don't perform the next day, you're, you know, you're a failure. Whereas a lot of people in the civilian world kind of have succeeded at a few things. And then like, that's it. They feel like they don't have to do additional work because they have a different status. And so, you know, being on set and you've got, you know, you've got guys like cleaning props, putting props away and you look over and you know, Matt, Marcus Luttrell, Tim Kennedy, like, these guys are doing it right alongside these civilian crew people. And the crew is saying, like, no, no, you don't have to do this. Like, talent doesn't do this work. This is just the crew. And we're all saying, dude, like, we're all in this together. It's just is habit. Our project. <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to get it done. And it was, like, this different world for them. And it took them a while to just not be uncomfortable with it because they were worried about, you know, being told they weren't doing their jobs. But in our minds, like, we're not going to leave guys to work for three hours after everybody, you know, after the cast leaves when we could all pitch in and have it done in, you know, 90 minutes. Uh, you know, about having veterans there. And and I was glad for the civilians that they got to see that because they all told us at the end that they've never been on a set where they felt as valued as they did on range 15. That was like probably the best compliment that anybody paid to us is you've got, you know, gaffers and key grips and, you know, people like that that, you know, on a Hollywood set have, uh, on, you know, on big movies with, with big stars and all that, they, you know, they disappear. You know, there's a handful of people that appreciate them, you know, in their ballot, but you know, the, the group, you know, the, the cast doesn't necessarily go up to these people and say like, Hey, you know, thanks for everything you're doing. And we were just, we were just stoked to have people that cared enough to, to do a good job. And, you know, and to, you know, to fight like hell to give us the best movie they could. And so we, we were just really happy that these guys were, you know, that they were impressive. The, the crew, the crew was impressive. Um, whenever I watch a movie now, like I'm not, I, I used to just think about it in terms of the actors, but now I, I look at it and I, I look at the shots and I wonder like, how did they get that shot? Or I think, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, where, where are the mics and, you know, how did they get that green screen work? And, you know, you really, you realize that um, the actor is a small piece of the whole thing. And, you know, and we were the actors, right? So, so I, you know, none of us watch the movie and go, man, I'm such a great actor. I'm so unbelievable. We all know that we, we, we have a lot of work to do in that regard. But, you know, those guys made us look a lot better than we are because they're so good at what they do. You know, the way they place those, the way they cut things, the way they they lit up scenes. um, You know, just really cool. Just really cool to now understand how it all works. Um, So, you know, they left with an appreciation for us, but also, you know, we left for a big appreciation of, of, you know, the the people that actually work in Hollywood, and I think that was the biggest win for the whole movie, is, you know, the crossing of that military civilian divide.
1: Oh, yeah, and and, and another win, uh, I know you went to a couple premieres and, and went across the, the world and the and, and thing, but you know, I'm in Albuquerque, and so I, I went to the screening here, and I think I was probably one of the handful of few, few civilians that was in, in there, but... The picture sitting down was awesome because there was guys that you could tell that had not gotten out of the house since they came back and you know transitioned back to being a you know a, a veteran and civilian, and their wives are, are there with them and they're like, hey, it's great to have you out here on a date, honey, and all that stuff. Uh, like I, I'm a kind of an emotional guy when it comes to that stuff, and I was just like, I was like, man, this is. It gave me like the warm fuzzy feelings in your stomach because it's like, man, these uh, range 15 got veterans out into the community to, to get it, together. It, it
0: really did. It really did. And, and, and again, that's, it's one of those things that like, I never expected, I never expected it to be so important to people. You know, like we wanted to do a cool project. We wanted to make a movie that veterans, you know, would appreciate, but, um, you know, just, you know, the 15th was the one-year anniversary of Green 15 being in theaters. And, you know, our, our fans, um, you know, put together this secret little Facebook group. And over the last year, they built this two-volume set um, of books that outlined everything that happened, Every you know, all the Facebook posts, all the cast announcements leading up to us actually launching the film and then ending with the, the launching of the Not A War Story trailer. And um, it was the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Like, there was so much thought that went into it. It's a, it's a very professional, you know, two-book volume that must have taken them just hundreds of hours to put together and, you know, at, at like 10 a.m. they simultaneously got delivered to, you know, me, Jared, Matt, Tim Kennedy. I mean, like everybody got this stuff and that's just a wild, cool gift, um, that really tied the whole thing together and kind of showed how much it meant to the community.
1: So it, to, to transition to that, you guys have a big uh, thing coming up, uh, the documentary, if you will, the the extended DVD commentary of of Range Fifteen, not a war story, and uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Uh, you know what what we might see and and hear and experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, not a war story um, is is a full feature documentary about the making of Range Fifteen, um, and. It started off as, when we first hired Tim O'Donnell and uh, Alex Miller to film, you know, the behind-the-scenes, it started off as this idea that we were going to just have kind of this, you know, behind-the-scenes on the on the DVD, and that'd be cool, and it'd be an added feature, and kind of call it a day there. But um, it, it, the, the content was so good, the, the commentary from the community was so powerful, it what started off as a simple behind the scenes turned into, you know, and, and had to be a full feature documentary. Uh, we have over 210 hours of footage of, you know, that we, that we distilled down into 90 minutes and, and we're going to do some, some other shorts, you know, off of that footage. But, uh, I think we are probably more proud of the documentary than we are of the movie because the documentary shows the journey, whereas the movie itself, Range 15, was the goal. And, you know, we all like to hit goals, and getting goals are important, but sometimes you really realize that the journey is the most important part of the whole thing. And, um, you know, actually watching the documentary gives me, like, anxiety... Fear, happiness, you know, I, I relive all the emotions I had going through this process, um, you know, and I can tell you that, you know, like Jared Taylor in particular felt the same way, you know. He very rarely gets emotional, and he called me emotional after he watched the first draft of the thing, and um, because it was hard as hell, man. Like, it was hard as hell, and, uh, uh, you know, I think we all feel very blessed that we that we got it done, that we were able to work together so well. And, uh, and that most people were really happy with it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, just to kind of tie the Valor podcast with other guests, uh, one, one of our former guests was Carl Monger with the, the Gallant Few. That's one of the charities you guys are supporting through this.
0: Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that's, that. Carl is one of the, he's one of the best people I've ever met. And anytime that, you know, a, um, a veteran reaches out to me with issues, something that i can't solve i immediately refer them to carl and there has never been a situation where he hasn't come through for that soldier
1: oh yeah i mean he he, you see him on on facebook and linkedin and all that and he i mean he's a mover and shaker and and helping uh, helping us and helping the veterans and you know the gallant few you you turned me on to it a, a couple couple of years ago and i've been a a strong supporter and and i I love the program it's very simplistic and and it 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 takes care of of uh, troop welfare
0: yeah it's it's a great organization you know and you know they keep it very small they don't try to um they don't try to reinvent the wheel they 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 prefer to have relationships with successful nonprofits that are already doing something well rather than try to do everything and uh, you know, I think that's a that's an issue a lot of nonprofits have, just like businesses. You know, nonprofits want to grow, they want to raise more money, they want to serve more people, but you know, in doing so, you you know, you risk becoming a generalist and not a specialist that actually does something well. And so, Gallant Pew keeps everything clean. And whenever they have a new mission, you know, they they actually will start like a new kind of kind of a new subgroup with leadership and everything and that that group has a very specific mission so you know you look at uh, the darby project you know that that focuses on the ranger community and uh you know the raider project which which focuses on the you know the marine community and um and those are both you know organizations under gallant few that are doing great things and uh, you know i've been fortunate enough to, to support the raider project in the past and uh um you know, and the Darby project now. And it's, um, you know, I just like the structure, you know, they come up, you know, if there's a new mission, they create a new, they create a team for that mission, very specific mission. They make sure that they're accomplishing it. Um, you know, and they, and they, the whole time though, just trying to make sure that they take care of the community as best they can. They don't take on things that, that they're not expert in. They just pass those on to people that are expert. They don't try to take the credit. Um, Really great organization.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. You hit it on the head. And so, uh, to kind of wrap this up, I want I want to sort of do kind of a rapid fire, so to speak. But th- let's do a top sure. five top five uh, military cliches that they did not hire a military advisor.
0: <laughs> man, top five. That's tough. So the, the the slow motion dramatic salute for all things. You know, uh, salutes are important. You know, they, they, they show discipline, rank structure, et cetera. There's a certain amount of respect, but not at any point in my life did I dramatically salute someone and make, you know, uh, homoerotic eye contact with them in order to show my respect. <laughs> um, so, like, that that doesn't happen. Uh, number two is um, the military is a place where you absolutely bust a lot of balls, but you know, the over-the-top macho dude that's literally in every single movie, you know, those are the guys that, that we made fun of. They weren't the guys that were the studs, you know, the guys that were always trying to show everybody how tough they were. Like, no one looked up to those guys, but that's the stereotype in every single Hollywood movie. Um, you know, the holier-than-thou guy, it just sits around pondering life, and uh, you know, uh, like is always sad, and is always, you know, that guy also doesn't really exist in the military, um, and that's like a, a common Hollywood trope. Um, you know, the the idea of dudes throwing guns away so that they can have like a fair final knife or, or fist fight. Um, <laughs> Every, every we would just shoot them. Like, oh, we got to the final bad guy and he wants a fair fight? You probably should have thought of that before you killed thousands of people. I'm just going to shoot you.
1: Fight dirty, um, man.
0: And let's see. Let's see. What's the fifth one? Uh, everybody's a seal in Hollywood. You know, everybody's a seal. Like, there are more seals. There have been more seals in Hollywood movies than there probably have ever been seals anywhere. So um, that would be my fifth. Too many seals. Yeah,
1: and and just to spawn off of uh, the Ranger up, uh, is Sealy is he is he working on a movie deal? <laughs> no, I'm just
0: kidding. Sealy's Seeley, in he's in uh, he's in talks right now. We're hoping something comes through for him. The
1: the, the famous Hollywood thing. It's in development. <laughs> well, Nick, it, it was an honor and uh, privilege to finally uh, catch up with you and promote this. Uh, where where can people get Yeah, to, uh, not a war story. How can they find it in theaters and on video on demand and all that good yeah, stuff? Yeah,
0: so. So our, the, the premiere for Not War Story is happening 30 June at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills. Um, the red carpet's at 6.30, and the event itself starts at 7.30. Uh, we would love for you guys to be there. Um, if you can't make it, consider donating a ticket for the troops. And if you go to the, uh, the Range 15 Facebook page um, or, or the Academy of uh, United States Veterans um, webpage, you can get tickets there. But you know, check out check out the Range Fifteen Facebook page, and like virtually every post is going to show you how to get tickets. We'd love to have you out there. The whole cast is going to be out there. It's going to be a great time, and we're going to have a great after party afterwards.
1: Veterans and after party. That sounds like a, a really fun time. Uh-huh. What
0: could what could possibly go wrong?
1: I have no ideas. A lot of super secret scrolls that won't say nothing. Thanks for listening to the Valor Podcast. Make sure to like us on Facebook and you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play or any podcast management app. Visit our webpage at thevalorpodcast.com. That's thevalorpodcast.com. Finally, find your mission. There are many veteran organizations, nonprofits, and veterans needing your help. I promise you'll make some great friends. Have a great week.